Hey, how's it going everybody? Before we get into the show, I was hoping for a small favour. In the description of this episode, there's a link to a survey that I would love for you all to fill out. I want to make this podcast the best possible version of itself, and I think that with your help, I can do that. It'll only take a few minutes, and you'll have my eternal thanks. Hey, you might even get a warm and fuzzy feeling out of it. So yeah, head to the link in the description of this episode, or go to at Podcast on Instagram, and click the link in my bio. Alright, now, on to the episode. Toronto folk singer is dead after she was attacked by a pair of coyotes. What is the monkey doing? Tell me what's monkey. He ripped her face off! We actually have a trainer in the water with one of our whales. If I show weakness, if I retreat, I may be hurt, I may be killed. Baby Azaria Chamberlain was taken by a dingo back in 1980. Howdy, folks. How's it going? Welcome back to Man It Is, the only true crime podcast on the internet where all the killers are real animals, whether it's biting, scratchings, maulings, or clawings. You know I'm here to talk about it. My name is James. I'm your host, but you can call me Jimbles, or you can call me Jimothy, or Jimbalaya, or any version of that. Slim Jim, although I'm not slim right now. At the moment, I'm quite, quite rotund, Uh, but I'm working on it. 2024 is around the corner, and it's a great time to uh, start thinking of New Year's resolution, and mine is to get fucking jacked for my wedding in 2025. That's my plan. I'm going to get fucking ripped. Uh, Probably not going to happen, but hey, a boy can dream, right? A boy can certainly dream of his hotter body. It's kind of gay, isn't it, really? Thinking about a hot dude's body, even if it's yours in the future. Hmm. I'm kind of getting a little bit excited thinking of my, um, my, my, my abs, my 2025 April wedding abs. Ooh, this is, this is a little homoerotic, isn't it? Uh, well, speaking of things that are not homoerotic, <laughs> welcome to a new edition of our sub-series, Killer Cryptids, the show where we look at uh, cryptid animals, mysterious creatures who may or may not exist, and the implications that follow them. Today we're talking about a cryptid that I didn't know existed two weeks ago, um, but I came across it. How did I come across it? I think I saw a TikTok. Uh, it was like one of those Reddit post TikToks where the question was like, what's the scariest thing you've ever seen? And one of the answers was the Monkey Man of Delhi. A monkey man in Delhi. Uh, and I, I was like, I've never even heard of that cryptid. A lot of the cryptids I've at least heard of. This one was uh, yeah, completely off my radar. So when that happens, I get very... <laughs> hyper fixated on it. Maybe I am autistic. People do say that a lot to me. I get hyper fixated on it and um, I've got to research the shit out of it. So that's what I've done. And so this is kind of a rushed episode, not a rushed episode, but I've rushed it into the lineup. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh, And we're going to just really get straight into it today. So please uh, welcome to your brain (laughs) the story of the monkey man. (laughs) I've got to say it like that every time. The monkey man of Delhi. <laughs> All right, here's the story of the monkey man of Delhi. The monkey man of New Delhi was an ape-like creature that terrorized the capital city of New Delhi in India in the year 2001. In May of that year, stories began to circulate in New Delhi of a strange, nocturnal, monkey-like creature that was attacking people. 
Many people reported being scratched, and two, by some reports three, people even died when they leapt from the tops of buildings or fell down stairs in a panic caused by the monkey man. Eventually, even the police issued artist impressions in an attempt to catch the creature. On the 13th of May 2001, 15 people suffered injuries ranging from bruises to bites and scratches. On the 15th of May 2001, a pregnant woman fell down some stairs after neighbours shouted that he has seen a monkey man. A four foot tall, or 1.2 metres for the normal people in the world, wandering Hindu Sadhu was beaten up by an angry mob who mistook him for the monkey man. That's fucking sad. <laughs> it's sad enough being a little person all the time, like being short. Um, but they just beat the shit out of him because he was short. That's that's rough, man. On the 18th of May 2001, a van driver was set upon and sustained multiple fractures in another case of mistaken identity as the Monkey Man. Further sightings were reported in Kunpar in February 2002 and New Delhi in July 2002, the later describing a monkey-like machine that sparkled with red and blue lights. One anonymous witness even claimed the Monkey Man had stolen his cell phone. Today, the Monkey Man is believed to be a product of mass hysteria. And I've actually found a news article from 2001, from The Guardian, reporting uh, the, the hysteria that, that followed. So we're going to read that. Um, this is, yeah, this is from 2001. Uh, I can't find the name of the writer. They've taken that off, unfortunately. Here we go. This is the uh, Guardian article from the week that the, uh, the reports actually started coming in. Uh, the headline reads, Monkey Man Causes Panic Across Delhi. Residents in Delhi were last night bracing themselves for another night of fear and sleeplessness following a series of bizarre attacks by the Indian capital's answer to a very nasty horror film, the mysterious quote-unquote Monkey Man. The Monkey Man, who is believed to be between four and five feet tall, has a quote monkey-like face and strikes between midnight and 4am. It's pounced on almost 20 victims during the past five days, leaving them with deep scratch marks and gouges on their arms and necks. Police have received multiple complaints from people sleeping on roofs or in the open air near the city slums. He is also elusive, sleeping, slipping away into the darkness after his attacks. Some victims say he wears a helmet. Others insist he sports metal claws, that he has a shaggy black hide and possibly roller skates. <laughs> At least one man has died after tumbling off a building in a panic when his neighbour cried, The Monkey Man is here! Despite the sightings, however, police remain unsure whether in fact he is a monkey. Quote, we contacted the Delhi Zoo authorities, and the experts say that no simian would ever attack without provocation, Shurish Roy, Delhi's Joint Police Commissioner, said. Quote, we have conducted medical examinations at the victims and nothing concrete has been found. Continuing on, doctors say the bites are animal bites and not of a human, Mr. Roy said. Quote, but then there are some people who have also said that the person uses iron claws and teeth. The monkey man began his reign of terror at the weekend in the poor colonies of East Delhi. 
He has since struck so many times across the capital that some officers now believe that there could be more than one monkey man. Youths armed with axes and sticks, meanwhile, have started patrolling the streets, and right-wing Hindu activists have taken up strategic positions with swords and scimitars. Quote, The creature had its hands on my thighs when I woke up. It looked like a langur, which is a type of monkey, Yonus, who lives in a suburb of Krishna Nagar, said, a Krishna Nagar said last night, when Rahina, my mother, picked up a broomstick, it jumped off the balcony. Delhi residents, it seems, are not the first victims of this phenomenon. A quote-unquote scratcher known as Spring Hill Jack appeared in London in 1837. He too had ironclad fingers, glowing eyes, wore dark clothes and scratched his victims, and he was never found. So, 23 years ago, in 2001, and it was before the world was swept up in another really big news story, the capital of India, New Delhi, was gripped by fear. It's hard to believe it now, but initial reports claimed that a mysterious ape-like monster was attacking residents in the city and had left cuts, bruises, scars, and even corpses in its path. The creature became known as the Monkey Man of Delhi, and its sudden appearance had news stations and police stations struggling to explain this new cryptid threat. In the book, Hoaxes, Myths, and Manias, Why We Need Critical Thinking, sociologist Robert Bartholomew and paranormal investigator Ben Radford briefly mentioned the Monkey Man. But compared to other heavy hitters such as the Loch Ness Monster, Chupacabra, Mothman, or even Spectral Black Dogs, there is very little written about the Monkey Man from a journalistic or scholarly perspective. In 2001, 20 years after the attacks, Ben Radford reopened his investigation to see if anything new could be learned. Physical descriptions of the Monkey Man are varied, and often specifics are vague or ambiguous. I forgot how to say that word. Often specifics are vague or ambiguous, as most sightings happen in the dark of the night sky, with the cryptid managing to jump away before anyone could get a good photograph of it. The most consistent features that are described by witnesses are that the creature is about 120 centimeters tall and covered in thick black hair. It supposedly wore a metal helmet and had metal claws, not dissimilar to Freddy Krueger. Pants, glowing red eyes, sometimes beneath goggles, and three buttons on its chest are also some of the features that are heavily reported. Some people, however, simply report seeing a shadow of something. Overall, there are very few first-hand sightings. Instead, many people describe what they heard other people saying they saw. Shining a bright light in the monkey man's face was said to ward it off, as it renders his night vision goggles ineffective. It was also thought that throwing water on the simian's chest would short-circuit his quote-unquote motherboard heart. In a similar fashion, it was believed that if the creature could turn Sorry, in a similar fashion, it was believed that the creature could turn invisible with a press of one button on its panel. These theories portray the Monkey Man as something more mechanical and robotic than natural or even human. The Indian media and news stations picked up the story and they ran with it, often sensationalizing reports as they went along. Now, obviously, the most action packed and violent accounts, of course, they got the most attention, which in 
which in turn prompted demands from the public to be protected by local governments and law enforcement. Understandably, though, local police were not sure how to handle this unique and bizarre situation. Apparently, uh, (laughs) police training in, in India doesn't cover weird monkey men. Police in Delhi were mostly kept busy with accidents, murders, and neighborhood disputes, and rarely had to deal with spectral monkey men running around and killing people with wolverine claws. Flooded with hundreds of emergency calls and without a single lead or clue or person of interest, the police quickly set up call centers and hotlines and offered up a hefty 50,000 rupee reward, which is approximately 1,000 US dollars, for any information leading to the arrest or killing of the creature. And as is the case whenever police offer a reward to the public, the amount of potentially helpful leads did increase, but unfortunately, so did the number of prank calls and false alarms. As news of the monkey man spread like wildfire, so did attention-seeking pranks and hoaxes. Many members of the public tried to get in on the action by offering even crazier stories to a hungry media machine. After a week of the original reports of the monkey man rolling around, and the public grew frustrated with the lack of action being made. Some citizens took to the street in acts of vigilantism. Gangs took turns roaming the streets at night, often armed with bats, knives, and machetes. Similar to what happened when other cryptids appeared around the world, such as the Chupacabra in Central America, people held overnight stakeouts where armed men took turns keeping a lookout while the others slept. New Delhi was played with rolling power outages, and this continued through this time period, only contributing to a sense of fear and looming terror. Unfortunately, and also somewhat predictably, there were also cases of mobs who made misidentifications and innocent people were attacked and harmed. The Washington Post reported that a van driver was chased by a mob that believed him to be the monkey man. They dragged him out of his van and severely beat him. He was hospitalized with multiple fractures. Now, one of the strangest elements of this story is that there is simply no real evidence that this primal attacker even existed. There are no photographs, there's no footprints, no forensic evidence, and really no reliable eyewitnesses. And the days went by. As the days went by, skepticism continued to grow and grow, and many Delhi residents began to wonder, is this all just a hoax? If it was a hoax, that wouldn't explain the monkey man's many victims and their injuries. Many people who believed that they had been assaulted by the monkey man showed off injuries ranging from cuts, scratches and bruises all the way to bites and rashes. Skeptics said that these wounds are indistinguishable from wounds that could be caused by a dog or a rat. However, to people who saw the wounds in person or viewed them on the news, the injuries were compelling enough to make them believe in the existence of the monkey man of Delhi. Of course, not every Monkey Man report was accurate or from a reliable source, but enough victims came forward that for many people, the idea that they were all lying was simply not reasonable. How could it be that dozens of people from all over one of the biggest and most densely populated cities on the planet offered shockingly similar stories and gave descriptions of their attackers that are so common? Unless these people somehow got together ahead of time to collude together to fake the attacks, there really could be no other logical conclusion. A deeper examination of the injuries, however, shows a different narrative. 
Some people faked their injuries in order to gain medical and media attention, while others reframed actual unrelated ailments to be caused by encounters with a monkey man. There isn't much written about this event in published literature, although there is one academic paper from the August uh, 2003 issue of the Indian Academic of Medical Sciences by S.K. Verma and D.K. Srivastata. It investigated sociodemographics and and injuries of claimed monkey man victims. They discovered that between the 10th of May and the 25th of May, 397 people were reported to be attacked, uh, reported being attacked to the police. 51 of those cases were detailed enough to warrant a medical examination. Two-thirds of these victims were men, and the majority were aged between 20 and 30. The vast majority, which is 94%, were from the city's poorest areas, East Delhi and adjacent, and 89% had low socioeconomic levels. Two-thirds of the victims said the incident happened between 12am and 6am. In terms of the nature of the wounds, over 95% of the individuals displayed abrasions that they attributed to the monkey man. According to the, study, according to the study's authors, one of the most striking features observed in the injuries among those individuals was that they were possibly either by blunt force or by a pointed object only. Approximately 88% had multiple linear abrasions and 11 had lacerations. In addition to the mob attack stated before, there were hundreds of significant injuries caused by mobs of people fleeing the monster. There were also fatalities. One man died after falling off a rooftop while fleeing from what he thought was the monkey man, and a pregnant lady died after tumbling down the stairs while in a panic. A third man fell from a rooftop in a fright after hearing another man nearby panicked and yelling in the darkness that something had yanked off his blankets as he tried to sleep. Eventually, the local power provider agreed to temporarily cease the rolling blackouts in portions of New Delhi's poorer neighbourhoods, allowing people to sleep safely inside their apartments under the comfort of electric ceiling fans. In the end, the injuries provided just the illusion of confirmation. It's a prevalent concept amongst paranormal enthusiasts who contend that there must be something behind the often assumed commonalities of distinct, divergent eyewitnesses and their experiences. Social panics do not happen by themselves. People in New Delhi viewed anything as a threat amid the environment of terror that permeated the city. Any sound in the dark or cry in the night may be construed as an impending attack. It's also vital to remember the physical environment, scorching rooftops that are crowded and poorly lit during rolling blackouts. This situation is perfect for uh, misperceptions in a city of 14 million people during a heatwave of more than 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, there were other socioeconomic factors as well, such as literacy and a lack of education. In a setting comparable of the Chupacabra scare in Puerto Rico from 1996 to 1998, most of the rumours spread amongst the impoverished. The wealthiest citizens of New Delhi were not sweating or exposed on dark, packed rooftops, but were instead at home under air conditioning, utilising portable generators during blackouts. The religious aspect could also be important as well. The fact that the creature was supposed to be a half or more monkey, and not some other wild animal, could be noteworthy. Many people compared the monkey man to Hanuman, the Hindu warrior god represented as a monkey, or half monkey, who leads an army of monkeys. There are also many monkeys in and around the city, thus the creature is not uncommon. Some people took descriptions at face value and assumed it was some kind of actual half-human, 
animal creature, though other explanations included an evil spirit, a robot, a, quote, computerized creature who someone is operating with remote control, or a terrorist who was using the panic, confusion, and police reaction as a cover for some assassination, possibly by Pakistani intelligence services, India's neighbor and arch enemy. In the end, the monkey man panic bears all the characteristics of mass sociogenic sickness, MSI, or mass hysteria. Mass hysteria is frequently misunderstood as an illness that victims invent. In reality, the symptoms are verifiable and non-fictitious. The problem is determining what is generating the symptoms, whether it is an external or environmental contaminant or a type of suggestion-driven social contagion. In close quarters, social contagion can readily transfer from person to person, especially during times of intense tension or anxiety. MSI cases might vary greatly in context and appearance, but they all involve the rapid emergence of severe but clinical modest symptoms. There are psychological and or environmental pressures at work, ranging from pl- workplace discipline to boredom. In this case, it was a heatwave. A trigger, such as an unclear scent, sight, or sound, is usually present. The fact that this phenomenon is socially contagious, that is, it spreads from person to person like a virus, frequently amongst people whom the victim has had close contact with, such as a friend, family member, co-worker, or classmate, is a distinguishable feature. People experiencing a real or perceived lack of social support, such as those living in poverty or subjected to regimented routine and authority, such as in schools, industries, and so on, are frequently affected by mass hysteria. Many cases of MSI are identified only after the fact, and sometimes not even then, with victims frequently strongly rejecting the diagnosis, erroneously supposing that it was suggested that they were mentally ill or making it all up. As strange as the Monkey Man incident is, he, or it, it's not alone. In fact, the phenomena is best understood as part of a broader social phenomenon known as the Phantom Assailants. These are mysterious figures, usually male and clothed in a peculiar manner, who are seen and reported in public as terrorizing ordinary citizens. Springhill Jack, the mysteriously dark-cloaked figure reportedly threatening and scaring people, mostly women and children, in London from the 1930s to the, 19, to the 1830s to the 1870s, the phantom slasher of Taiwan, who was reported stalking the streets of Taipei in 1956, trying to slash people, again, mostly women and children, with a razor, and the phantom clowns, who were reported to lurk near schools, thankfully in vain, trying to abduct children. More recently, the reports of killer clowns come to mind. Though the details and descriptions differ in these cases, they all have one thing in common. They all had sincere eyewitnesses who reported their encounters to police and other public officials. The cases were reported in the local news media, and residents took action to protect the public from further attempted attacks. And the reports appeared suddenly in a given community, but quickly faded away with no arrest or resolution. Finally, all of these phantom attackers, including the Monkey Man, were properly investigated and proven not to have existed. Throughout the panic, police responded the best they could, increasing patrols and hoping that enough arrests would deter hoaxes. Although, not because they imagined they would truly arrest the Monkey Man. It was just marginally successful. Police received hundreds of hoax calls, and when people were faced with jail and fines for spreading false rumours, the attractiveness of pranksters and copycats was reduced. 
Even individuals who were truthful in their complaints had second thoughts about contacting police with solid evidence. This, combined with a strong media influence copycat, copycat effect, created a self-fulfilling prophecy. When the news media lost interest and reported that fewer people were seeing it, it led to fewer people seeing it. A number of factors contributed to the Monkey Man receiving less attention, and by approximately the 20th of May, the reports had dwindled to a trickle. The entire occurrence lasted roughly two weeks, from May 10th to May 25th. Psychologists and sociologists who recognised the cause predicted a pattern. Most episodes of mass hysteria are self-limiting. There is a clear and predictable bell-shaped distribution. In the midst of the confusion and terror, sceptical Indian rationalist associations, investigators led by Sanal Edamaraku, attempted to explain the situation and and assuage public worries. Though the news media was more interested in sensationalism than scepticism, the organization was mentioned, albeit briefly, in press coverage in the New York Times and the Washington Post. The organization provided a first-hand contemporary description of the organization's efforts to explore the mystery and ease the public worries in the Rationalist International Bulletin. Quote, India's capital is looking back on two weeks of mass delusion and panic, somehow dangerously turning into mass hysteria. The monkey man's shadow continues to hang a big hang big over suburbia and urban villages. Edim Maraku's actions serve a model for on-the-ground skeptical investigation and activism. Quote, We started to collect all information so far available and went to the affected areas to talk to people. I personally questioned at least 40 persons who claimed they had seen something and hundreds who were terrified of what they had heard. We evaluated all recorded material and got some important clues. With no photos of the creature, nor footprints, nor anything else intangible, Edamaraku also assessed what little physical evidence there appeared to be. Wounds alleged made by the creature, quote, We went out to have a close look at the victim's injuries, which had become something like the last bastion of the spook. We succeeded in tracing most of the known cases, causes, and were disappointed. There was not a single serious wound, only little scratches, cuts, and rubbings slash rashes, which under normal circumstances would not get any attention. Interestingly, there was no uniformity in them, though they were claimed to have come from the same source. With every new case, we were more and more convinced that all these injuries were self-inflicted, either deliberately or unknowingly. In the end, his notes say, quote, Our lonely initiative and intervention to deflate the giant balloon of the monkey man mania has opened many eyes and minds. They have reminded the authorities of their duties and responsibilities and encouraged many scientists to play their part in educating the public. This is, in my opinion, one of the classical roles a rational organisation can play and has to play in society. This is an important point, since sceptical and rational organisation investigators and campaigners, as well as folklorists and psychologists, provide a vital and yet overlooked niche. Many of these panics are not recognised as such at the time, and journalists play an important role in distributing information to the public, both good and negative. Skepticism and their organisations, such as the Indian Rationalists and the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, must make knowledgeable skeptical comments and analysis available to journalists and the general public. 
Two decades later, after the Monkey Man arrived and then vanished, the case remains one of the most bizarre examples of public hysteria panics in recent times. And there you have it, the Monkey Man of Delhi, one of the most compelling and interesting cases of mass hysteria in recent times. Of course, the story died down. It would have died down anyway. As with the shark attack, what we call it, Summer of the Shark in 2001, um, the, me- the, the media churning up all these stories, it was going to stop eventually because 2001 obviously had a really, really big news story that came in in uh, September. I can't remember the date. Um, but yeah, it was pretty... Um, pretty intense. So that story would have gone away anyway. But it seems that like these cryptid stories, these mass hysteria events, um, they come and go quite quickly. As is mentioned in the article, um, the the sightings of killer clowns, they happened a few years ago. Does anyone else remember that? There was like a month, probably less than a month, maybe it was just a couple of weeks where um, pe- there were just reports of people dressed up as killer clowns, like John Wayne Gacy style. And they would just stand in the middle of the road, creeping people out. Um, I re- that was that happened here where I live. Um, there was there was a friend of mine saw one apparently, um, but that that came and went pretty quickly. The difference being that like you know there was photography and videography of that one. The monkey man there was no evidence at all. We, there was no reason to think that that was the case apart from uh, rumors circulating and the media doing a great thing that they do, which is drum up fear. You got to remember the media isn't there to. Well, this is controversial, but the media is not always there to tell you the truth. The media is there to get eyes on their on their product. Um, they sell ads. Um, that's their whole thing. That's the problem with the news media is that they sell ads. They should be banned from selling ads. That way that they can give you unbiased. It doesn't matter how many people, how many people watch, um, their, their, their broadcasts. They would have no reason to be sensationalist or to obfuscate the, uh, the, the true details of what happened. They could just be completely honest and say, no, there's no monkey man. There's no evidence for this. But instead, they need to get uh, readers, they need to get eyeballs on their website so they can sell advertisements on their websites and in the newspapers. So they they don't say that. They will say, oh, there, some people think there isn't a monkey man, but other people think there is a monkey man. There probably was never a monkey man. Um, that one, we're going to declare that one uh, not plausible. Let's, let's call it that. Not true. Okay, let's take a break, folks, and we'll be back with some more man-eaters. Hooray! And we are back, folks. No Scratch of the Day episode, uh, no Scratch of the Day segment this episode, but we're going to try something a little bit different. So I have found a quiz uh, on a website, on the internet, in fact, Love this internet thing. It's very helpful. Uh, it's a quiz that says, can you name these cryptids? I thought we might give it a go. So question one, and I'll read the question. I'll give you a moment to answer it in your own brain. And then, oh God, there's a timer. Okay, I'm going to restart this. Um, I'm going to answer it in your own brain and then I'll tell you the answer. There is, there is a timer, 15 seconds for each question. So let's do it. Okay. This cryptid has existed in Native American lore throughout North America for hundreds of years and appeared as a giant flying creature. With the ability to influence weather and storm systems with its velocity of its wings, it is called what? Thunderbird, Dimension Monster, Ragru, or Yowie? I'm going to say Thunderbird. I wish there was a way to turn off the, the, uh, the timer because I have to read really quickly. Thunderbird. Thunderbirds are documented in the writings of Algonquin, Sioux, uh, Objwi and Menomi peoples, among many others, and share similar characteristics. These include control over the weather, being godly messengers, and being saviors of mankind. 
Yeah, I want to do an episode of Thunderbirds. Okay, I'm going to just read the questions. I'm going to ignore the timer, and I'll tell you what I thought it was going to be because it tells you the answer after 15 seconds anyway. Okay. Uh, a feared force in open waters for sailors and swimmers alike for centuries was which of the following cryptids take the form of a giant cephalopod? The Kraken, Oklahoma octopus, the Taniwa, or the Bullerback? I hope you can get this one because it is, of course, the Kraken. Correct. The Kraken is now largely conflated with giant squids, but given the unexplored depths of the ocean, who knows what might dwell in the darkness there? Question three. Throughout the farming communities of Latin America, this creature's name sparks fear. It is described as, a, as small with glowing red eyes and long, sharp claws. With a name that means goat sucker, what is this cryptid? Is it the Donbachu, the Snagligaster, the Ultimahaha, or the Chupacabra? It is the Chupacabra. Very good. Some reports say that the Chupacabra is bipedal, standing around four foot tall, while others see it on the so while others see it run on all fours. Either way, the beast leaves carcasses of goats, sheep, cattle, and other large domestic animals in its wake, completely devoid of blood. And we've done an episode on the Chupacabra, which you can go and listen to. Okay, next question. Found amid the wilds of Cornwall, these creatures fall under the cryptid group of phantom cats, as it appears similar to a panther or jaguar, but it has an ethereal form, making it difficult to spot. What is it called? The Beast of Bodmin Moor? Mongolian Maltster? The Shuck? Or the Waterhound? I didn't know this one. I wasn't going to get that right. I know it's not the shark because that's a spectral black dog. Uh, apparently, the answer is the Beast of Bodmin Moor. Though the Beast of Bodmin Moor is a contentious cryptid, with some who believe it's simply an escaped zoo animal or even an elaborate hoax, viewers of the Beast still maintain this phantom wildcat cat is a cryptozoological species. Interesting, that, isn't it? Um, how many have you gotten so far? I've only got a couple. All right. There is prehistoric evidence of large aquatic predators. But what is the name of this cryptid that might just be circling the depths of many bodies of water, ready to strike? The Megalodon? The White River Monster? The Lake Worth Monster? Or the Loveland Frogman? I think it's the Megalodon. Megalodon. Megalodon, correct. Thanks to the idea of young earth creationism, some people believe the megalodon shark never died out, and it has adapted to survive in today's waters as a monstrous cryptid. There you go. I didn't, I didn't really work in how like young earth creationism fat, fat into this, but I guess it makes sense. Okay. A much-loved cryptid native to Virginia, this creature is seen as bipedal or humanoid with particularly animalistic characteristics giving it special abilities, including credible movement speed. Can you identify it? The Mothman? The Bunyip? The Goatman? Or the Tokoloshi? I think it's the Mothman. And we've done an episode. I think the first ever cryptid episode was on the Mothman. Hooray! The Mothman is said to fly up to 100 miles per hour and has glowing red eyes. Interestingly, people have reported seeing the Mothman accompanying several disasters worldwide, including the 9-11 attacks in America and the Fukushima nuclear disaster in Japan. Next question. Uh, question seven. Three more to go. This bipedal cryptid is described as having hooves instead of feet, wings, and a goat-like head, complete with horns. It is said to live along the east coast of the United States and within the states that lie inland. What is it called? 
Is it called the Jersey Devil, the Honey Island Swamp Monster, the Michigan Dogman, or the Missouri Monster? If you said the Jersey Devil, you'd be correct. We've done that on an episode as well. I hope you're getting a few of these right, because we have covered them before. One of the classic cryptid legends of North America, the New, De- the New Jersey Devil is said to be an infernal creature or some kind of unholy amalgamation that is possessed by a demon. Wow. Okay. Uh, I've got them all right except for one so far. Okay. Uh, let's go. Next one. Question eight. Found in South American folklore, this cryptid is described as either a giant bipedal sloth, possibly with one eye. What is it called? The Beast of Bray Road, Mapinguari, Tazel Worm, or Amila uh, Tuka. Tunka. I'm not going to get this one. I'm not going to get it. I don't know it. Okay, I ran out of time. Apparently, the answer is the Mapinguari. Mapinguari. Never heard of it before. While its appearance is not solidified, many see this animal as a South American cryptozoological variant of the Sasquatch species. Interesting. Maybe we'll have to cover that. Maybe we need to do a Sasquatch yet no, the Yeti and Sasquatch did like a Sasquatch Mapinguari episode. We did that with the uh, Australian cryptids with the Yowie, a bunch of different you know Bigfoot-like animals in, in Australia. Okay, uh, two more questions. Question nine: One of Canada's most famous lake monsters, this serpent-like creature dwells at the bottom of Lake. Okangang uh, in British Columbia. Do you know its name? I do actually know this one. Is it Olgai Korkai, Grutslang, Okapogo, or Akokumaru? <laughs> um, yeah, it's the one I can read. It's the Ogopogo. Uh, along with Igopogo from Lake Simcoe in Ontario, Manipogo from Lake Manitoba in Manitoba, Ogopogo is said to be directly related to the Loch Ness Monster and has descended from the same species. Interesting. Um, we were going to do a mini cryptids episode in this episode on the Ogopogo, but I decided there's actually enough information to do it separately, and I might do it with the Igopogo and the Manipogo as well. All right, last question. I've got nine. Out of, I've got eight out of nine so far. Let's do one more. This cryptid is from the remote research. Uh, this cryptid is from the remote reaches of mountain forests across the Indonesian land of Sumatra. It is short, bipedal, and humanoid, covered in orange-colored hair. What is the Indonesian name which translates to short person or short, short people? The Ahul, the Filco Teras, Orang Pendek, or I ran out of time. I ran out of time. I couldn't read the last one. Um, I was going to guess Orang Pendek because it's so similar to Orangutan, and that apparently is correct. People in the area have reported seeing small primate-like footprints that are made by a bipedal creature attributed to the Orang Pendek. Okay. I got eight out of ten there. With two of them, I, um, I fucked up and I couldn't read them fast enough. That was the issue. If I was reading it to myself, I would have been fine. It was because of you I lost. Because of you people. You assholes. Anyway. <laughs> uh, guys, I wanted to finish off the episode with a, a lovely message uh, from, a, from a viewer. From, uh, on the Facebook page, actually. Rare that we find a Facebook fan, but um, you know we, we got one. So this is from Ali. I'm not going to say the last name, just for, just for privacy. Uh, but Ali sent me a message while I was camping, so I kind of came back into reception and got this very long message from Ali. Um, so I'm going to read it out to you. So it says, Hi there. I've been meaning to write to you guys for quite a while. As a matter of fact, it's been so long that I'm not even sure I'm reaching out to the correct animal podcast. <laughs> And I don't think she might, I think she might have made a mistake, but I'm very happy it came to me instead. Um, 
Either way, you'll probably find this story quite interesting as well. So if you are the right podcast, you briefly mentioned porcupines on one of your episodes. Um, I don't remember doing that. It's possible. There's been 75 episodes now. I've probably mentioned porcupines at one point. Um, you brief- briefly mentioned porcupines on one of your episodes, and it reminded me of an absolutely horrific story I once read. It's about a very unfortunate lady's encounter with a porcupine. I believe I read the story sometime between 2010 and 2013 when the story took place, and I'm pretty certain it was in the state of Washington. I apologize for the bad memory. Uh, no apologies necessary, because it's pretty great so far. Anyways, this lady was in her 50s or 60s, but very active and healthy and ran marathons despite her age. One day, while out walking her dog, they stopped underneath a tree, and unbeknownst to her, a porcupine occupied the space, just above where she stood, sitting atop a tree limb. So feeling threatened by the sudden appearance, it unleashes its quills all into the woman's head. I can't even imagine. Absolutely terrifying. She described it as suddenly feeling the most intense pain on the top of her head, completely unaware of what had just happened, and when she reached for her head, the quills prevented her from being able to touch it. I think at this point, she spotted the porcupine and realized the predicament she was in, so she drove herself to the ER, bleeding as she drove. They were able to remove all the quills so she, uh, and she recovered from the horrific incident, but the doctor credited her great state of health as an avid runner to her resilience and success in recovery because due to the circumstances, he felt the incident could have easily led a different person to go into cardiac arrest, but her heart was strong and healthy from the years of running. This was definitely one of those stories I'll. F- uh, this is definitely one of those stories I'll never forget. First of all, I never knew porcupines climb trees, and then she puts a little asterisk like a like an edit. Um, at the time, I found her story on a couple of websites. One of them being Dream Dream Mind De- Dream Dream and Demon dot coms. <laughs> oh, Dream and Demon Sorry, <laughs> took me a moment to try to say what I was saying. I, I thought it said Dream in Demon, or it was like. Uh, dream, dream, mind, demon. It's dream and demon, which makes a lot more sense. It's a great, it's a great name. It's hard to read. Uh, dreamanddemon.com. The site exists today, but has transformed quite a bit. I'm not sure if the same people are still running the website or whatever. I've stopped reading it many years back, and unfortunately, I have no other recollection of the website other than what I've told you of the story. But if you're interested in reading it for yourself, I hope that by using some of the keywords, it leads you to the website. I definitely recommend trying the Dream and Demon site because I know uh, for sure they told of her. I'm so sorry this ended up being so long. I'm sure you don't always <laughs> open this to read a book. Anyways, really enjoy listening to you guys. So thank you, Alex. Ali. Um, that was lovely. Thank you, Alex. Ali. Um, lovely to have a message from you. I'm not going to, I just ran into my own little washing, uh, hanging material thing. Um, I'm not going to read the, the website because that was plenty. You did a, a great recount and we can do a follow-up up next week if we need to. Um, that's it for the, today's episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Killer Cryptids uh, and and listening to the, the horrifying tale of the Monkey Man of Delhi uh, and also doing that quiz with me and, of course, listening to that user-submitted uh, story. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, you can do it quite easily. You can do it simply by going onto our Instagram and looking for Man It Is Podcast or Jimothy Chaps. Both of us are, well, I'm both pages, but you know, I say hi to both. Um, you can email me, manitispodcast.gmail.com, or you can be like Ali and you can message us on facebook.com slash manitispod. And of course, we do have the Patreon. Uh, please feel free to go and check out the Patreon, guys. I'd really appreciate your support there. Um, 
all good if you can't do it, but I, I do appreciate it. It does make a lot of difference. Uh, there's some costs coming up soon. I can't tell you what those are going to be, um, but they will make the show much better uh, for you guys who are listening at home. So as much support as I can get there would be great as well. Um, that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have a fantastic week. I, I hope you've got something good coming up. I'm about to drive to Sydney now to pick up a Starcloth and drive all the way back, which is a roughly five-hour round round trip. So really excited to do, to do that. I'll probably catch up on some podcasts. Um, probably listen to some segments, listen to some last podcasts on the left. Maybe go back and listen to my own episodes because I am that egomaniacal. Oh, one thing. Um, Spotify wrapped will be coming out soon. Uh, if you don't know, Spotify does this thing where uh, they will give you like the data of what you've listened to. Part of that data includes the, well, usually includes the top five podcasts that you've listened to. Um, if I pop up, if Manny just pops up for you, please share it on your Instagram. Um, I'm going to, I'll make some rules for it next episode. I think what we're going to do is um, for every person who shares their Spotify wrapped and Man Eaters was in it, um, I will make a donation uh, to a wildlife charity. Well, I'll figure that out within the next week and get back to you, but uh, be prepared to do that. So if, if your Spotify wrapped includes Man Eaters, uh, we will make a charity donation on your behalf. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, guys, take it easy. Have a fantastic week. And as always, stay safe out there because as we know, wait for it, it's a jungle out there. <laughs>